let's just do this um, just as we get into the word today. Um, let's take a moment and just pray um, for the veterans, families who have lost someone uh, while serving and others who are serving even still today. Father, we just thank you for the men and women um, who had it in their heart, Lord God, to take up arms and, and defend this nation, Father, and the people that make up this nation. Father, we thank you for their patriotism, their love for, for, for country, their love for God. And we just ask you, those who have lost loved ones, as a, uh, we just remember this time, Lord God, that it brings up, stirs things within them, that you would just comfort them and be with them, Lord God, with the comfort that only you can give. And those who are serving even right now in service, who may be away from their family, or sometimes even that, that distance away can bring stress upon the family. Would you just bless those families, Lord God. Protect the men and the women. Protect their spouses. Protect their children. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you for their sacrifice and their service, Lord. In Jesus' name that protects and gives us freedom. We give you glory and praise and we say, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Can you say Amen. All the time. <laughs> Absolutely good. Well, I want to be, I want to be sensitive. Um, I always want to be sensitive, but just to the time. And, and uh, we've been in a series right now for the last little while called Intentionally Us. And uh, I pray that I can, I can bring this out the way that I feel the Lord has given it to me. Um, and just to be sensitive as, as how he would. I want to deliver it to you so that you can get the most out of it. But um, you can see, you know, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just start this way. Um, the title of the message is Intentional Boundaries. And I want to talk more about boundaries within relationships. Because um, boundaries are important. Um, I mean, God's the one that actually established boundaries, Right? And we'll get into some of that, but um, relationships are so important to God. You know, and the older the older I get, the more I realize how relationships are so important. And a lot of times, you know, um, even over this last season of time, these last couple of years, and I'm, I'm always I'm a student of learning. I love to learn. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better son to God. And I, I believe that you guys want the same. Um, but the more I realize in relationship, especially close relationships, when things bother me the most, it's really things that not necessarily the other person is doing that bothers me, but it, it highlights some things that are on the inside that God wants to deal with. Are you with me? And it takes a humble pill to swallow. <laughs> Because it's easier just to say, if you would just stop doing that, my life would be so much better. Instead of looking at, why does this bother me so much? What are, you, what, are you trying, what are you trying to do in me, God? See, no matter what he's trying to do in other people, he's always trying to do something in you. And uh, we don't want to miss opportunities. And I think sometimes, I know I have, I've missed opportunities 
when something difficult came into my life and I would rather blame that difficulty or that situation or that circumstance instead of running to God for him to show me what is really stirred up on the inside of me is something he's just trying to get out of me. Can you say amen? Or oh is me, whatever, whatever you want to say. <laughs> So I just want to look at boundaries a little bit, and, I, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can articulate this. I'm just trying to be real, and, and I know people walk through difficult things. I know, especially even in families, there can be difficult people that we deal with, and, and I just want to talk about those boundaries a little bit, and hopefully um, I'll do justice um, to what God has placed in my heart, and you'll benefit from it. Um, so I want to start just with the word boundary. And I looked this up in the, um, in the Noah Webster Dictionary. It's, it was back in 1828. Uh, a boundary is a limit. It's a bound. The real sense is a visual mark designating a limit. And the bound is the limit itself. Now, there's a synonym that goes along with the word boundary that I like. They, usually, there's a lot of synonyms to a word, but one of the ones that stuck out to me was the synonym uh, margin. And I feel like, you know, in our society, in the rushiness of our world right now, the majority of us do not live with margin. There's no margin. It's just like from one extreme to the next. There's, there's no margin. When I think about margin, I kind of like, I like, I do a lot of reading. So I think about the margins in a book. You know, when I, I like to, it may seem weird when I, when I buy a new book or something like that, I'm kind of flipping through it. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, what chapters are going to be coming up and how it's going through. And, and I look at the margins, how much room is on the outside and where the pages get broke up, you know, and I, I, be honest with you, I don't like to read books that are like 50 pages without like some kind of a break in there, or if it's just no margin at all, and it's just the whole way to the end of the thing, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That's kind of overwhelming. Give me some margin. Show me some borders in there. And I feel like in our lives, especially with our relationships, we don't give ourselves enough margin to have a breathing space to be able to respond instead of reacting to situations and even being able to bring God into it. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. You know, whenever uh, I was very, came, became very familiar with, with boundaries uh, for 10 and a half years, I was a land surveyor, so I would go out, you know, things that were regulated, you know, uh, lots and so forth, uh, you know, by the state, the government, things that were, were out and about, and we would go and, and find these lot lines and everything as people would be buying, purchasing land and developing and so forth. And I came to a place where I was actually going to... Um, you know, going to get my survey license, so I would be a, la a licensed land surveyor, and I began to do some studies and stuff, and it's funny how, you know, ancestors and people in the past, how they would uh, get their ancestors, their children, or whoever was going to be inheriting the property, how they would get them to remember where the boundary marks were. Some of the things that I recall is um, they would take the, the person that was going to inherit um, the property, they would take them to each of the markers that, that said, this is our property here, that's not our property, and they would tie them to the marker and walk away and just leave them there for quite some time so that they would never forget that experience. They would take them to the next one. Another one more extreme is they, they would take people and they would hang them upside down by their feet and bump their heads off the marker. <laughs> I don't want to be part of that family. 
<laughs> but the idea was like, hey, there are borders, there are boundaries. These are things that have been allotted to you. You need to know what you're a steward over. You need to know what belongs to you and where your limit begins and where your limit stops. Can you say amen? So I want to give you a couple scriptures here um, showing that boundaries are God's idea. The first one is in Psalms 74, and it says this, You, speaking of God, have established all the boundaries of the earth. He's established. He's determined. He's fixed. You have made summer and winter. Now, we know there's talk in certain things here. It goes into creation. There's, there's bounds that are there, and we're taking it more of a relational side here. But God established boundaries. And then he goes into this one. I love this one here. It's probably my, my favorite. Acts chapter 17, verse number 26 says this. For one, from one man, he, God, created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries or their limits. His purpose for all this, his determined, he decided, he created, he determined. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God. And perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. He created the boundaries what was the purpose for creating boundaries so that we would seek after and find God? You know, we're, we're surrounded by boundaries every day. There's limits and things that we, we submit ourselves to, whether you think about it or not. Every day, you're within some kind of a boundary. Uh, one that you for sure have every day is when you're driving down the road, you're in boundaries, there's a boundary that says if you go further to the right, you're going to go into the ditch. If you go further to the left, you're going to run into a car that's coming the opposite way. And we obey these boundaries. And there's limits to these boundaries. There's consequences to these boundaries. And God wants us to be able to know how to handle these boundaries. You know, if I'm driving 80 miles an hour and I turn to the right and I go off the road towards the ditch, that can be very dangerous. But there's a way to approach that boundary if I slow down. You know, people, you've pulled off the road before. I slow down and I'm at the proper pace to be able to go past that boundary and slow down. It's more healthy for me. I'm not in danger of going into the ditch. I can stop whatever I got to get out and get something out of the trunk or out of the car. It's, there's more safety there. And God wants us to understand, especially when we come to boundaries that are so, can be so stressful in our lives because you can't control other people right? The only thing you can do is control whether you're going to respond or to react of how they speak or what they do to you. You have a choice of how to respond or react. You have a choice of what to do with those boundaries, but you can't make choices for other people. I think that's something, you know, totally different, but really in lines with this. I think that if we would try to stop controlling people to get them to live within our boundaries... Um, we probably would live a little bit happier life. <laughs> Can you say amen? So we're surrounded by boundaries. I remember a story, um, I don't know, does anybody know who Rick Joyner is? He's been around a while. I think he's still alive. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Um, he was a prophet, a, a pastor, um, the name of the ministry. They had Morningstar Ministries. It did a lot of prophetic worship um, 
conferences and stuff. I went to many of those, just awesome experiences with the Lord. And I remember him telling a story one time where he was a, he was a biker. You know, he had a bunch of friends that you know they loved to ride motorcycles, and they would go on trips. and And they were in Colorado somewhere, just traveling on their bikes. It was you know beautiful, having a beautiful time. And there were some turns. I think I think he said it was one of his first times there. And he was actually, you know, there were markers, what we could say, there were boundaries there, you know, around this turn, this speed limit, right? You know, watch out for these things. And he decided to go a little bit faster than the speed limit had said, you know, quite a, quite a bit faster. And he didn't make the turn. And he ended up, you know, messing up his bike. He ended up hurting his leg. And, you know, and, and briefly, you know, afterwards, he began to ask the Lord, he said, Lord, you know, how come I wasn't protected? He said, because you went beyond the boundaries of grace. There's limits there for a reason. They're there for your protection. And you went beyond that. And when you went beyond that boundary, you went beyond me. You went beyond my protection. Because you broke that ordinance, that law, so to say. I wasn't able to protect you. And he learned a lesson. And sometimes, you know... If we could just learn the lesson before we get hurt or before we hurt other people, wouldn't that be so much better? <laughs> and God's trying to help us. And that's the part of the margin before the boundary. See, there's, there's the, the boundary is, you know, we said it was a, a visual mark designing a limit, and the bound itself is the limit. You know, when I was a land surveyor, they had, you, you do these, you, you know, you do the land survey, you, you'd mark out the property. Well, each property line has what's known as an easement. So the easement, you're actually a steward of it. You're taking care of it. You have to mow it. You have to take care of it. But you're not allowed to build or do anything, you know, so close to, there's an easement that says, like, here's your property line. What could be 10 feet, it could be 15 feet, depending on where you're at, your division. You can't do anything within this. This is an easement that always needs to be there. I mean, you get to mow it. You get to take care of it. But it has to be open. You don't get to build anything on that. And it's just kind of, kind of a visual. It kind of looks a little better, too. You know, when you have some room between houses. When I was in Florida, they would put houses so close together that, that literally um, there would be uh, 10 feet between wall to wall. 10 feet. I mean, you look out your kitchen thing, they're 10 feet there. Hey, Joe, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Their AC pads would actually overlap each other on the lot line because it was so close together. But I think that there's these margins and these easements that God wants to be there. So whenever we approach boundaries and relationships, that can be what we would known as maybe a heated relationship or one that brings harm or one that just, you know, whether we've brought harm to somewhere else or, or we just, it's just something that stirs up inside of us and, and, there, and there's some aches and pains. If we would instead of run to that boundary, if we would have easements and be able to in that moment, as he said, God created these boundaries so that we would seek and find him. As we're stepping close to that limit, we're choosing to find him and get his understanding of how we need to act and how we need to respond because what we really need in life is what he says. What we really need to see in life is what he's showing us. Because that gives you power, that gives you authority, that gives you the grace that you need. Are you with me? So the first boundary that God established was in relationship. Uh, you see this in Genesis. It says, God said, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit together, they said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply 
and fill the earth and subdue it. And it would go on, really he was saying, just rule, rule over these things that I've created. And then he, he set this boundary, because it goes on to say in, second, in, the, in the second chapter, the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. He put, it, he put a boundary. You can have anything, but don't do this. Don't go beyond this limit. Because if you do, then you're going to die. And we know physically he did not die right away, but spiritually he was, as soon as they ate of that fruit, they were disconnected from God. And from that time, until, you know, when Christ came, Christ made the way for us. And from the time that he came and rose again from the grave, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He wants us to be able to be connected with the Father. Can you say amen? That's where we need to be seeking, what we're looking after. So, you know, all these boundaries that God has, you know, there's no more power to bring hurt and cause damage than the ones we cross in our relationships your assignment as a believer, as a believing image bearer of God is to cultivate God's image in yourself and affirm and multiply his image in others. Uh, in our, our B group right now, we're doing a, a study. Um, it's called Love Like That. And it's really just kind of looking at Jesus and going over five main things in the Gospels that Jesus did um, in order to be able to love like Jesus. And there was a story that the, um, the man had brought up in there. His name is Dr. Les Parrott. Um, and he, his friend, uh, he has a friend with Gary Smalley. Maybe you know who Gary Smalley is. You know, he does a lot of stuff with marriage and children and uh, on, uh, writes books and so forth. Well, anyhow, he said they were at a conference. And uh, when Gary came up, um, he took this $50 bill and he asked, he's like, who wants this $50 bill? And everybody's just like, hey, 50 bucks, right? Well, then he, you know, he took it and he crumpled it up. And he held it out again. Who wants this $50 bill? And everybody's like, hey, I'll take the $50 bill. You know, he took it again. He like, threw it down and like kind of in the dirt. He's just kind of bringing it back up. Who wants this $50 bill? Everybody's like, we want the $50 bill. I mean, you could keep going. <laughs> Who wants it? Hey, $50 bill. The, the principle he was trying to get across is that no matter what you did with the $50 bill, it never lost its value. It was still worth $50. And this is where we get ourselves into trouble. This is why we need margin. This is when we get to, especially to borderlines where it's heated. Maybe you've had a neighbor, you know, we've all had someone that's been troubling in our lives. There's probably still someone who is troubling in your life because God uses them to help you grow. <laughs> right? If you're looking for people that are not going to be troubling in your life, um, it's probably not going to happen. And if you get your place to where you're not troubled in life, um, you've probably isolated yourself mu so much and far away from other people that you're really not going to grow. And you can't really even grow in your relationship with the Lord because you don't know if you're growing in re your relationship with the Lord until you really get around people and see how you handle those situations. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody. Maybe it's to myself. 
So boundaries have consequences. They hold consequences. Here's a couple scriptures about boundaries. Deuteronomy 19. You shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark, which the ancestors have set up in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. Now, this is a, an ordinance that God said. Obviously, it's talking about, you know, lot, lot lines and so forth. I mean, God's the one that gave the possession. It's an ordinance of God, even though the ancestors had put it in place. But your neighbors, those around about you, have lot lines. And I want to I stay in context here. It's kind of a more of a, of a prophetic, you know, going into talking about relationships. But we're talking about that image and the value that each and every single one of us holds because we're image bearers of God. Sometimes we don't bear that image very well. Come on now. But our purpose is to grow in displaying his image in our lives and as we grow in displaying God's image in our lives, we want to be able to pull out his image in other people, right? We want to be able to speak into that, to encourage people. And he's saying here, you got to watch. You know, you have boundary marks. You got neighbor's boundary mark. Don't take from your neighbor. You know, when we, when we dishonor people and we speak to them or we're casting them down or we're, we're belittling them in the image that God has placed upon them as his creation... We're really belittling ourselves. It really shows things that are on the inside of us that, that are issues of our own that we need to take to the Father. There's another one that Job says. Uh, he inscribed the circle on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. This is talking about the horizon. You know, God, Job's talking about how God created the horizon. And there's a place within that horizon that God makes where you're either, either entering into light or you're entering into darkness. And this is this boundary. When we kind of overstep our bounds and we, when we go to these, we run past the margin, that place, that buffer that we should have where we're really seeking God, especially in our encounters with other people in relationships and, and running over into someone else's property, so to say, to give our heated opinion or whatever it would be, we step out of the light and we can step into darkness. There's, there's that place we've got to watch. Am I going to step into the light or am I going to step into the darkness? Are you with me? I, I'm trying to bring this out. I, don't know, I hope it's not confusing to anybody. If it is, Lord, forgive me. Then there's another one. This is, we're getting a little more intense here. In Deuteronomy 27, he says, Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark. And all the people shall say, Amen. It's like a command, and then the command is you have to say amen to this, saying that you understand what's going on. Cursed is the one who removes or moves his neighbor's boundary mark. You know, God is the one who places value on people. We don't get the right to say this person is worth more than the other person. God values life. Are you with me? So God wants us to value other people. You could say it this way, you know, uh, you know uh, if, if uh, blessed means with God, cursed means without God. Just kind of like Rick Joyner, you're getting to that place where we're going beyond grace. We're, we're, going be, we're going to that place because of our own wounds, and it's just really where it comes from. And, and I've seen this more in my, my own life whenever I get disturbed, whenever I say something that's hurtful. The reason it hurts me the most is because even though I hurt the person when I said something or did something, maybe it was my tone, maybe it was my attitude. When it's all said and done, I saw ugliness in me. 
things that, are, that were unchecked that I needed to submit to God. And David had it right when he said, Lord, against you and you only have I truly sinned. You know, yeah, he sinned against, you know, uh, Uriah. He ended up having him murder, you know, and just different things that he was doing. But he's like, and when it all comes down to it, against you, God, and you alone are the one that I've sinned against. It's before you. And God wants us to, to live free of guilt and shame. Here's, here's another one. Proverbs 23. Do not move the ancient boundary kind of going into that with things that God had set up, or go into the fields of the fatherless. For their redeemer is strong, and he will plead their cause against you. You know, I can, I can look at this, obviously, fatherless, those who are orphans, you know, without, without a father. Um, even, you know, in, in, in those days, even if they had a mother, they were still considered fatherless. And, you know, you could consider, you could consider still be in context here, you could still consider those who are fatherless are those who are without God. Those without God. We, we even got to be careful how, you know, we're not talking about condoning sin, things that are against scripture. We don't condone sin in people's lives, but we can still honor the people God has created. We need to be his image bearers in order to be able for them to experience, understand, and see the light that is in God. Amen? And he says here, don't, you know, don't go into the fields of the fatherless. If I go in and I'm taking advantage of people or think I have a right to devalue people because of the way that they're living, I mean, Jesus is so beautiful. I mean, he was accused. I mean, when it comes to the world system, when it comes with the enemy, it's, it's always a lose-lose because no matter what you do, I mean, you've had this in your own life, the, the enemy will tempt you to do something, and then, and then when you do it, he'll condemn you for doing it. That's just how the enemy is. But Jesus, you know, here on earth, I mean, he's hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with sinners. He's having dinner with them. He's not condoning their sin, but he's revealing the gospel of the kingdom. He's giving them opportunities to be able to come out of darkness and into light. He's speaking to the value of their lives so that they can rise to the situation and they can rise to the place of what God has called them to be. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So when we hurt other people, we're really, really hurting ourselves. And a lot of times, you know, I mean, Scripture is true. I mean, if we just look at the Scripture instead of trying to frosting, you know, it up so it tastes a little better sometimes, you know, if something comes out of your mouth, it's in your heart. If we would just watch our mouths, you know, when we say something, is that really, is that really in me? Did I really just say that? Is that, is that really in me? Sometimes we've got to take that back to the Lord. Sometimes we've got to sit. Sometimes we've got to let him excavate, you know, and, and dig some things up and get those roots out so that we can be better for him, so that we can experience more of him. These are things that are just hindering our relationship with God himself. Are you with me? So kind of getting to um, the relationships, and then maybe you've already got somebody in, in your mind. I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere whether it be in your family, you know, we have some people in our family, no family here, just so you know. I know. No family that are here. 
Um, but there, there's situations that are just hard situations to the point of tears. I mean, like, you know, God, why does it got to be this way? And But God wants us, he wants us to have healthy boundaries. And we've got to respect ourselves enough as created in the image of God. But we've also got to respect the other people as created in the image of God. But we've got to have bears, right? It's just we got to know how to approach those things so we don't do the things that we don't want to do, but we do the things that God wants us to do when we get the close to those lines. And I, the only, you know, there's many things we could say in Scripture, many stories, but the one that sticks out to me the most, probably the most dramatic, is the story of Jacob. I mean, there is a lot of twisted things in that family. Jacob was a mama's boy, you know. Esau was a daddy's boy. There was favorites already. Um, and then to the place about the birthright, you know, he's trying, Jacob is trying to steal the birthright of his brother. You know, his, his right by birth that he was going to be the one to receive the blessing. And Jacob tries to get it. And then he has his mom join in on it and, and to deceive her husband and his dad to go in and say, oh, I'm not Jacob. I'm Esau. This is one. I know my voice is a little funny right now. I ate something out in the, in the woods. It kind of just trickled a little bit. But it's me. Right? He's deceiving his dad. He gets the blessing. He, he runs away because now the way that he inherited it, you know, in the same, that way he crossed some lines. He crossed some boundaries that he shouldn't have crossed. And now his brother wants to kill him. And he, in the story he's saying he's, Esau was actually consoling himself, you know, as his father is approaching death. And he says, the only way I'm going to feel better is once dad dies, I'm going to kill you. And his mother heard about it and he's like, get out of here. Okay, go, go to, the, the, to my, my, my family and, and, and live with them. And, and he goes there, and why he's there, now he's being treated. He goes and he, he falls in love with, with, uh, with Rebecca. Was it Rebecca or no? It was Rachel, Rachel, right? Yep. Am I right? Rachel, because Rebecca was Isaac. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> um, so he gets there. He's, he's with Rachel. He loves her. He serves like, you know, 20 years, something like that. Oh, no, it was a seven year. I can't remember the years. You can look it for yourself. It's in there. But he, several years, like, you know, whatever, seven to 10 years, he serves Laban, his father-in-law-to-be, for the hand of Rachel in marriage. And on the night of his wedding, I mean, they're going through whatever they did ceremonial-wise like that, dancing there like that. When it came to get into the tent and everything was black, the father gave him Leah instead. And you wake up in the morning... What has just happened? I mean, he's outraged. He goes to his, his father-in-law, you deceived me. I mean, this is, not, this is not good relations starting here. And he's like, it's custom in our land. We don't marry the younger before the older. So finish this week with the older. I'll give you the younger, but you have to serve me another so many years. And he did. And man, it's just, there's just heated things going on. And because of the blessing of God, see, you know, obviously they're both created in God's image, but there was, there was a purpose that God had for Jacob. And God's teaching him things. And he was a deceiver, and he's, and he's learning, you know what? You can't go on deceiving other people because you're going to be deceived yourself. And it ain't so fun being deceived, is it, Jacob? He crossed some boundaries. He's like, this is, <laughs> this is not good. 
And it went on for I forget, like 20 years or whatever that he was serving his, his, uh, his father-in-law. And, you know, and he changed his wages. You kind of read through. He's like, you changed my wages like 10 times. You know? And he's like, I never, if I lost any animals, I never even brought it to you to let you know. I took from my own stuff and filled your voids you know, for all these things. So he was, he was keeping some integrity, but there were some things that needed to come out of him. right? And God wants to get those things out of us that are not of him so that we can be more like him. So here they are in, in this story there, you know, God has spoken to Jacob and he already has troubled relationship with his father-in-law. And he's like, man, he's, I've been deceived so many times. God is t- telling him now, I want you to go back and, and to make amends. I want you to go back to your father's land. I want you to be there. And he was able to actually make it back in time. You know, his father didn't die as quick as they thought he would because he was able to get back and, and be with his dad um, before he passed. God had forgiven his relationship with his brother, but there was still this, this rift with the in-laws. Someone's like, amen, right, you know? Something about the in-laws, right, sometimes. And uh, so he decides, he, he pulls all of his family together, all of his children, all, all 10 children, grandchildren, his, his wives, they had more than one wives back then, you know, it's different now, guys, so please, you know, don't do that, don't even think about it. Um, but he, he, he talks to them, and they're all in agreement. They're like, you know what? You know, our father really has spent everything that you've given him for us already. You know, we're yours. We're together. Whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. So he takes off in the middle of the night with his family. And he's gone for a couple of days whenever Laban finds out that he's gone. And he's heated. He's about to cross some boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. And he gets his, his men with him. And these weren't just like regular shepherds too. I mean, these guys were, I mean, these were, these were guys that knew how to war and knew how to fight as well. And they take off after Jacob. And then they finally catch up to him, you know, after so many, so many days. And the night before, uh, Laban goes to see Jacob because he's got some words that he wants to speak. How many times have you had words that you want to speak to people, right? You, you maul these things over in your mind. It's like, oh, when I see that person again, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. If you do that, then I'm going to do this, right? We play it all over in our minds. Oh, yeah, oh, if you do that, then I'm going to do this too. Oh, it's going to get bad, right? Well, God spoke to him that night before, and he said, do not lay a hand on Jacob, for if you do, it will go bad with you. And he, he softened. You can almost see that God intervene in a margin, in, in a space, a limit before the boundary, before he crossed a limit that could have caused something that could have never gone back. There could, blood could have been shed. And he even came to Jacob and said, you know, your God came to me and spoke to me and said not to do any harm. And they, you know, they begin to have words to each other. And it was probably still heated at times. I mean, sometimes emotions get wrapped up in things, right? Emotions are good. You know, it's good to have emotions, but we're not supposed to be ruled by them. And, and they're going back and forth, you know, through things. And so they decided to make a covenant with one another. And I, I believe it was Laban is the one that had did it. Really, I believe it was because of God, how God spoke to him. And Laban began to have all his men grab all these stones. He said, grab stones and make a heap right here. We're going to make a monument. And Jacob and his, his sons and whoever else was with him, they got this huge stone and they, pil- they put it up like a pillar. And uh, 
They anointed these things. They had, they had a, a meal together, really, because they're breaking covenant. They're having a meal together. And this is, this is what they said to one another. This is from Genesis 31. This heap is a witness and a pillar is a witness that I will not pass from this heap to you for harm. And you will not pass from this heap and this pillar to me for harm. You're not going to cross this boundary. It doesn't say that they can't cross. They made these things there because Jacob was going back to his land. Labos was going to go back to his land. If you ever visit me, Jacob, in my land, and you pass these pillars along the way in which you travel, and you see this pillar, and you see this, these, this, this monument that's there, you need to know that you can't not step across this line to bring me harm. Laban said, when I come to see my grandkids, I come to see my daughters, I come to see you. When I see this place, I'm going to cross this boundary, but I'm going to know that I'm not going to do it to bring you harm. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble. No margin in our lives. No time to really think about things. Maybe think of things in our own minds, but really taking them before the Lord, allowing him to help us to process things. If it hurts you that bad, take it to God and let him do what he can do. There's a person in my life that I still really don't have a relationship with, even though they're a close member of our family. And there was a time, you know, um, it's, it's, always, it's been a heated thing for many, many years, many years. It just seems like it's, it doesn't seem like anything's changed. And I know God can do all things, right? But he needs people to be able to open up their hurts and their wounds. And sometimes you're just the object of hurts and wounds that have happened a long time ago. And people just aren't dealing with things that happened a long time ago. And they see you and they see an outlet to not deal with it, but just to keep moving on and to feel right in their own minds. And this one individual, I remember going before the Lord and I was in tears before him. I was like, God, heal this relationship. Can you heal this relationship? You know what he said to me? I was shocked. He said, I can't. And I was like, wait a second. God, you can do anything. He said, I can't heal it because you don't even have a relationship. They haven't opened themselves up to you. So I can only do so much on my part. But I have to watch the boundary still. Now here's, here's where I want to get and we'll close with this. The story of, of, of Jacob, Jacob and Laban, you know, they made this decision, we're not going to cross this line to do harm. Not going to cross this line. I, you have to make that decision in yourself. You have to meditate on it. I mean, it, there has to be some thinking involved. There has to be some processing involved. And you don't have to process it by yourself. You do it with the Lord. Okay, allow him to show you, allow him to, to speak to your own heart, to heal those things that that person maybe has done to you for able to be able to have healing like Johnny talked about last week, but not to cross that line. I remember there's a gentleman in our, in our church, he's in heaven right now, his name was George Comus, and uh, he told me this story, and, and you know, they say that you know, a wise man learns from his stakes, but a wiser man will learn from somebody else's mistakes, Right? And uh, there's been quite a few mistakes I've learned that way from somebody else's mistake that God used that as a mark to say, listen, heed this advice. 
And I remember him telling me a story whenever he was married. He had a troubled marriage, and uh, he was kind of loose, loose with his tongue at times, too. And he would belittle his wife and say things against his wife. And the Lord had, had actually drawn a boundary for him. He said, you know, stop speaking to your wife that way. Stop it. Drawing the line. And he, it came to a part in their relationship where something was heated going on again, and he was getting ready to say something to him. And the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. And he didn't obey, and he did it. And that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. She said, I'm done with you. That's it. And he regretted that for the rest of his days. He remarried and everything, but he regretted that because really what did he do? He sinned against God. God said, don't do it. Don't do, do not cross this line. And in whatever pain, mixed with pride, because you owe me, because I can't, whatever. He set things in motion. So what do we do, you know, when you come across these, these boundaries that really are just kind of troubled lines? You need to set visuals for yourself as a reminder. If you're going to see somebody, meet with somebody, talk with somebody, maybe God will have you, know, go to that person and things be reconciled, whatever it is. But still, you know, family's family, especially when it comes to family, family's family, or even coworkers. Sometimes just coworkers can be so tough because you're there, right? You know God has called you to that job, whatever. You need to set visual, uh, visuals for yourself as a reminder as you approach troubled lines in your relationship so you don't dishonor God by devaluing the image, his image in others. Set, that's, that, that's that margin. That's that easement. And you're walking up, here's the boundary. But what happens when it comes from the other line? What happens when someone's crossing your boundary? And property and things that, that in a sense, you're, you're a steward over. I'm a steward over, over what God has given me. You need to value God's image enough in you to protect yourself from those who would devalue his image in you. And here's how, and this is something that, that's happened even recently, that there was a person that was speaking, you know, from our family into our family and just really speaking harsh words, hurtful words that just weren't true. In their mind's eye, they, they were. I mean, some of that just from hurts and everything. And I just set some boundaries. I said, listen, I'm not going to allow you to speak to us that way. I'm going to honor you and your position in, in our relationship in this family. But you can't speak to us that way. If you continue to speak to us that way, because it was belittling, it was devaluing God's value on our lives, then I had to put even more of a margin between there. You're protecting yourself. You protect your family. It's not like you don't want to have anything to do with these people. You're giving them, you're giving them the boundary. You're letting them see the visual. And you're saying, I'm not going to do this to you. And in respect, I expect the same honor in return because we're created in God's image. Amen? Does that help you? So God wants us to rule as kings in life. It says that in Romans, I think it's 10, 17, or 5, 17, one of the two. You can look it up. Just read the whole thing. It's real good. <laughs> the greatest power of a kingdom is not for a king to rule over a people. 
the greatest power of a kingdom is for a king to rule through the people. God wants to rule through us. This really shows his kingship in our lives when we're allowing him. You know, when you come to troubled areas, it, it's kind of, it, it, it should just make sense to us. It really shouldn't. I know our emotions get all stirred up and we don't have to be afraid. I mean, in reality, God just don't want us to walk away from the boundaries and let the forest just catch on fire. We've got to be able to take care of things. And these are also areas that God helps us to be able to grow in our sonship, in our daughtership, in relationship with others, grow in our honor of others that we can, we can disagree with but yet still honor because they can make their decisions. We can make our decisions. But our decision should not be in a place where we're inflicting, you know, dishonor to other people. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up, if you would. I hope I was able to articulate that. Okay. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you. And all I know is that you're calling us higher you're calling us deeper. You're calling us further. And I really believe, Lord, that even as believers that you're speaking to your church. And it's really, there's, there's a demand by your spirit that we have to be all in. We can't be partial Christians we can't take what we want to take, leave out what we want to leave out. You either are Lord of our lives or you are not Lord of our lives. You either have complete control and we're submissive to you in trust and obedience or we have feigned faith just when we want to have it, just when we really need you to come in and break through for us. I want to be all in, Lord. Always. And if that means every day I need to get on my knees, come afresh, and that's what I have to do. Maybe that's where we're missing it, God. Maybe our knees haven't touched the ground for so long. We're struggling and flailing in our own hurts and our own wounds. And the answer is right there, knees to earth, watering the ground, fertilizing the seed with our tears. Our need for you. that's basic repentance God I need you I can't do it on my own can't do life on my own I can't do relationships on my own I don't have strength in myself to be able to handle the pressures of this world 
something something miraculous happens when we come and we place our knees on the ground and we come to a, a God who sees everything that's going on in our minds. He understands everything that's circling around in our hearts that we can't even articulate. He still sees it all. And something happens when we come into his presence and he just somehow makes sense of it all. Or just gives us a peace that passes all comprehension. It, it don't even make sense. It's not supposed to to the mind. It's a spiritual thing. So Father, we surrender afresh to you. Would you do that today? Would you just, where you're at, just, just begin to raise your hands, whatever. Just, just surrender to God. Whatever these troubled lines are, just begin to surrender that to God and just, and just say, Lord, you know, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I just need to hear your voice. I just need to see what you want me to do. Show it to me, Lord. And then you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient to it. Because you'll never grow past your obedience. So, Lord, we do. We surrender. Because the truth is we can't we can't stay where we're at no more. We can't. You can't stay where you're at and stay in line with the kingdom of God. If you stop and stay where you're at, the kingdom of God is advancing. You will find yourself on the wrong side of the line. Because God is faithful. Um, as I was just sitting there praying in the spirit, I got a picture of someone or someone's in the, the church here. Maybe um, when they were young, they felt like they had no voice or that boundaries were crossed um, for them. So they were taught from a young age that lines were blurred. They didn't know how to establish boundaries, um, but God brought me... Uh, to a verse in the Psalms um, says the Lord is gracious and righteous our God is compassionate the Lord guards the inexperienced so God is boundaries he loves us and in perfect love there is no fear um, in his word it says that a father that loves disciplines and um, boundaries are for protection, but just knowing that um, God in his kindness and goodness and, and in his grace will help you establish those boundaries where you're inexperienced, that you can go to the Father and ask the Holy Spirit to help you establish those healthy boundaries. Let's just uh, let's pray, and we want to open up the altar. If you need prayer, someone to pray with you, or maybe you just need to, in this holy moment, you just need to find a space up here and just uh, get quiet before the Lord, or just open your heart or enter your heart before Him. Father, I just thank you right now that people are just responding to you because you're you, 
you're speaking, you're moving, and you're anticipating responses from your people to come to you. So I thank you for the courage for those who need to come to receive prayer um, or just to, to be with you, Lord God, as you move. And for the rest, we say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' name.